There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover to Cover series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments. Father, we just uh, pray right now that as we come before you with, with these Bibles open, whether it's on screen or physically a book in our hand, God, that we would just come to you with a more literal open heart and mind to experience you through your word, by your spirit, uh, to, to know you, to know your word, to know who you are, and ultimately become more like you. In your son's name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So again, as we've been making our way now into this new section of scripture, we've come to Joshua, a, a historical section. So we finished the first five books of the Bible uh, known as the law. Now we're entering into history. And again, to remind you guys that when you look at history in the Bible, it is literal history. Literal history. It's, it's events, but God is also going to use these real world events as types. And what that means is, is that he's going to use them to teach lessons. Again, this isn't actually something that sometimes we make it more than it is. And, and some people try to do this, well, is it imagery or is it historical? And the answer is yes. And that's not any different than how, again, as you're going through school and you're reading history, the point is, as you read that, is going, what are the, the, the messages here? What are things that I can be learning from that? And sometimes you can even see repeated things of mankind and what you're going to see throughout Israel's history is God's character through this nation. And he's using them to communicate a truth of himself. In fact, nothing greater than, than even as you, again, you go through those first five books of the, the Bible and you find yourself getting to the end of those and you should be asking a natural question because there's been this, this claim that there's going to be one who's going to smash the head of the serpent that Moses in the book of Deuteronomy promised uh, the prophet. In fact, again, so much so that when they saw John the Baptist in Jesus' day, that they asked, are you the one, are you the prophet that Moses promised? And he says, I'm not that prophet. I'm the one to make the way. And what did it say? The very next day, he said, there. There he is, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But as you come to the end of Deuteronomy, you find yourself asking a very natural question. Again, as they're entering into this promised land, they have what, what many would say, and I would agree with at this time, they have the codified first five books of the Bible. They have them written down. They have them to read and meditate on as they enter into this land. But as you're reading it, they should be going, okay, well, where's that one? You get to the end of it and go, what comes next? And again, in God, in just all of his inspiration, even how he designed his word, is that the very first book of the Bible to be given a person's name, titled after somebody's name, is the book of Joshua. Why is that important? Because Joshua is the Hebrew word, when translated into Greek, is Jesus. So the question that is begged by the end of the first five books of the Bible, you get to the end of it, where is that one? The next book tells you Jesus. And as we look at this, in this word of who he is, as we saw last week, this promise that three times 
In, in Joshua chapter 1, God is going to remind them, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That he tells them, don't be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. This encouragement that Paul is going to pick up in the book of Hebrews to tell us that let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, not saying that that trials aren't going to come. Not saying that there aren't going to be difficulties in your life. Not saying that there aren't going to be things that you, you wish you had. But he's saying, what is the root of satisfaction is to know that you have God Almighty with you at all times. That he is the one that brings that satisfaction and that it's not circumstance-based because we are all going to have these circumstances. And again, back to that typology. That is why it's so important to understand as we go through this. That as there's been a mistake many have made as they make the land of Canaan, this promised land, heaven. And if you, if you look at the history and the typology, that is an incorrect view. The promised land is not a promise of heaven. It is a promise of the Christian life that is received through faith. That eternal life through Christ, faith in him brings us into this Christian life. And how do we know that? Well, because when you get to heaven, you're not fighting giants. You're not conquering and overcoming, but they get into the promised land and there are fights ahead of them. And God doesn't even like pull back on that. He tells them there's going to be fights. There's going to be these things. He's already showed them this stuff. And he says, but I'm going to go before you. You don't have to be afraid. He says, I'm going to fight the battle for you. And what he is calling through Joshua is for his people to enter into his promise to conquer in his promise, and then to occupy this promised land, all made possible through this one who leads the way, Joshua, Yeshua who saves Jesus. Again, to have that peace and to live in his promises. And again, as he would remind us that this is, they have this word of theirs, and it's not, it's not a futile thing, as Moses would say in Deuteronomy. But it's your life that as you, as you, how is it that you're going to enter in, enter in by faith? How is it that you're going to then conquer and occupy it, saying all of this is made possible by the word of God, personified and made real in the person of Jesus Christ. And as we are called to meditate on his word, it's not this weird Eastern empty yourself, empty yourself. Thought. No, biblical meditation, which is a biblical thing, by the way, don't get caught in this battle. No, meditation is a biblical thing, but biblical meditation is not emptying your mind, it's filling your mind. It's to look at God's word and his promises and to hold on to those, and that's what he's saying. Fill yourself with that. So what are you gonna do when you face difficulty, hardships, and battles? He says it's gonna be an outpouring from what you have filled in. If you have emptied yourself and you face it, what comes out? Nothing. But here we have a call to meditate on his word, to fill yourself with his word. So when the tough time comes, when the pressure is applied, the fragrance that is released should be the word of God. To know his word is to know him and know his peace. As Jesus would say in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And again, he doesn't say this as just passingly because there's not things to be afraid of. He's not saying this because there aren't difficulties ahead. He's saying no because know that I'm with you. Know that I'm here not only to satisfy your longing soul, but I'm here to be your shield, your real guard, your refuge, the one in which you can find rest, the one who is walking beside you as David would write in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And so with that, guys, as we look here now at Joshua chapter 2, just a quick little to kind of put your minds into place, is Joshua chapter 2 is actually taking place very much at the same time as Joshua chapter 1. So they're not chronologic after they're actually overlaid, and you're going to see some of that taking place. So just know that as Joshua was being spoken to by God in chapter 1, he's going to interact with the people there before they cross over, that Joshua has sent spies out into this promised land of Canaan, as read here. Joshua chapter 2. Uh, 2 verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now here's just something interesting to know. Where they're camped on, on the east side of the, of the Jordan River, is they can see Jericho, this giant walled city. But guys, that goes both ways. So again, I want you guys to remember as we went through the, the book of Numbers, how the camp is laid out. Cloud by day, fire by night. So as they can see Jericho, those guys standing on the wall, looking across, every night, what do they see? They see that cross laid out with the fire over the camp, night after night. Just have the imagery that they're looking over there, seeing, knowing who these people are from what they've heard. And now for almost a good month, as Moses was giving us that book of Deuteronomy, they have been watching that camp, camped out on this other side. Now also, just kind of something to remember, is notice that Joshua doesn't send out 12 spies. See, he was one of two, and remember how there's 12 spies uh, sent before, and then they ended up not going in disobedience, but there was two, Caleb and Joshua, who gave a good report. Joshua has learned from this experience and goes, I'm not sending 12. I'm not doing that. I'm sending two guys that I trust. And set, in fact, it says that he sent them secretly. Really, what this is implying is that he doesn't even tell the people. This is not like a, hey, okay, we're rallying up to 12, and we're sending two. Is this, hey, He is sending them out, not only in secret to the enemy, but secret to his own people that nobody really knows but Joshua and these two. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Well, that's an interesting place to go, right, when you start off and get into the land. So their very first, they beeline into land, and where do they go? They go to a prostitute's house. Now, some have tried to lessen this, and there is some cultural realities here that is true, that it is true that many times that prostitutes in that day and that time, they basically ran an inn. That, they, that wasn't a known thing, that they had these homes and they had people that could come in and out. And in fact, even strategically, if you think about it, it's not even that bad of a place for two spies to choose because they need to sneak in. It would be a place where many people from various areas would be coming and going. Maybe there's some libations and, and people are a little bit loose with the tongue. Not a bad place to sit in the back and try and spy and get some info. But now I just want to make this, as, as much as that is true, and it's true that the Hebrew word could be used for innkeeper or prostitute, it's a good thing that we have the New Testament because the New Testament in Greek makes it very clear over and over as it refers to Rahab, she is called a prostitute. And the Greek is unshaking, unchanging there. So we don't need to lessen that. She is exactly what Scripture says. This is a prostitute, and these men went to gather information and lodge there. We also don't need to stretch out what maybe happened. What did they do? They lodged there. They're on an info-gathering mission. They went to the place where it would be easy to sneak in, hopefully not be spied out as much, and so they go to this place. This is what Scripture tells us, but something to also know that Scripture doesn't pull back from who Rahab was. I want to make this clear to that. Because guys, I want you guys to know this right here and right now. God is not put to shame by who you were before him. God is not ashamed to call you his because of your past. In fact, he is glorified by it. Understand that. Your past does not shame God. 
It glorifies him to show what he has done in our life. Verse 2. It says, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So maybe not the best place to try and hide out, because they're found out pretty quickly. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Now she, she takes this act. And she, she finds out through, through, you know, again, we want to be silent, where scripture is silent. But what we do see is that Rahab comes to understand who these men are. She, when she's asked about them, she runs them up to the roof. But again, the greatest commentary on scripture is? Fantastic. So I'll be silent when scripture is silent, but here's something that scripture does tell us about what Rahab did here. Again, Paul in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 21 says, by faith, the harlot, doesn't pull back, Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So what we know is in this moment, again, silent when scripture is silent, but where I will speak to what it says is that this woman, which God is not ashamed of her past, but wants to glorify himself through where he has brought her, by the way, this harlot that we're going to see becomes pulled into the very lineage of Jesus Christ himself. But this woman, this prostitute, that it is by faith that she acted. So her faith compelled her to move. And Hebrews is trying to tell you in that, in that chapter about people who, their faith, it moved them. They weren't just hearers of the word, but doers. And so in this moment, Rahab, moved by her faith, acted. It says, Then men pursued them by the road to the Jordan. To the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before they laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I want you guys to notice if you guys are either in your Bibles or hopefully even if a digital, you notice that that word Lord is in all caps L O R D. Understand what this means is Rahab is invoking the name of Yahweh. This is not generalized, as Hebrews tells us by faith, is that. She is here understanding who their God is as they have camped on the other side of the Jordan and night after night for the last month seeing that pillar of fire and cloud by day, knowing what has been told about who these people are and who their God is. She says, I know that Yahweh has given you the land. This land of promise, again, not of earning from that call of Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham. That promise we have seen up to this moment in Genesis 3, 12, Exodus 3, Deuteronomy 18, all of these promises. And who is it that has given it? But she knows his very name, Yahweh. That the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Again, this is not a new concept if you guys have been following along with us that what has happened here is, and by the way, greatest commentary on scripture is? Fantastic. So we're going to take Rahab, the one who knows the name of Yahweh, when she says that it was amazing what happened at the Red Sea. This wasn't a little pond that you guys waded through. 
No, this was something so drastic that it has reached to the land of Canaan before they got there that we heard what your God did to Egypt as he opened up that Red Sea and made it dry ground and you guys walked across, how he swallowed up Pharaoh's army. We heard about Sihon and Og, these giant kings and whom you utterly destroyed. Again, God in this history, as we've seen from Genesis 6 on, is in the business of utterly destroying giants. We've seen in Genesis 6, 11, Exodus 14, Numbers 13, and even in 21. And this is who, guys, this is important as we step into the book of Joshua. This is one of those moments in Scripture where, where as we look at the history, people get a little bit, let's just say, weak in the knees to, to stand on their faith in what Scripture says. Because we're going to hear about the call to utterly destroy, but who? See, this pattern has been consistent, and God has been saying this throughout Scripture, is who is it that they are called to karam, to consecrate, annihilate, to utterly destroy? Who is it? Well, Rahab is actually just given to these two spies who it is that she knows that they've come to destroy. Because when the 12 went into the land before, Numbers 13, it said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea all along the banks of Jordan. See, all throughout the land as the 12 went in, what is it that they saw? Everywhere they went in the land, from the fortified cities like Jericho to all around, there are giants throughout this land. And it caused them to see that and to doubt God's promises. But two men, Jacob, or Joshua and Caleb, came out saying, no, it's true. There's giants in the land. But guys, we have God with us. We should go in and conquer. But instead, at that moment, they chose in disobedience to not trust God. Whereas here, he sends two spies in. And what's the message being told to these spies? Your God has already been here. We heard about what happened in Egypt. We heard about what you did to Sihon and Og and everyone on this side. As verse 11 says, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. That this this prostitute, this innkeeper where people are coming and going, again, as the stories throughout the land would have flowed through her house, that she has come to a place to know the name of Yahweh, to say, I have heard. I have seen the men coming from across the places where their, their lands were devastated after waters were split. I have seen the people who have ran, who, who had faith in these giants, and their, their, their faith was just shattered as they've come in and throughout. And she's come to understand, your God, Yahweh, is the God of heaven and of the earth below. See, they're sent in to spy out the land, and the report that Joshua's going to get back is, hey, remember, remember how when you came out of that land 38 years ago, you said, yes, there's giants, but God can bring us victory? His spies are now being told in the land, your God is with you, and the victory is won. These people are melted before you because of who your God is. As Yahweh would declare in Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, there is no other. There is no God beside me. And again, as we've been going out scripture, again, people mistake this, is, is what Yahweh is saying here is go, there are gods of this world, but I am so dimensionally higher. 
That is, if he looks to his left and to his right, and again, as far as his ways are greater than our ways, his thoughts greater than ours, even to these gods of this earth, he looks to the side and goes, who's beside me? They think themselves, God, they are nothing in comparison. It is a comparable statement. And he says, I am so dimensionally higher than these poultry gods below me. There is none beside me. And again, as they came out from that Red Sea, if you guys remember, as God brought them from death to life, as they walked by faith. I think it's so funny. We read these stories and we just go, oh yeah, they, they walked through the Red Sea. No, no, no biggie. But guys, they didn't read the end of the chapter. They didn't grow up hearing this story like we have. The sea split and they went, I guess we just walked through. Moses says, walk through. And at one point, are you walking through? Hey, it's not all mucky and dirty. It's dry land. And, th- and then you look to your left and right and go, there are walls of water. Are we, are we good here? And they trusted. I, you know, I don't, these circumstances are confusing. I don't get it. Moses was freaking out. Now he's confidently just walking through this hallway of water. But if Yahweh told him, let's just keep going. The walk of faith, as compared to what was Pharaoh's response. They tried to go the same route, the same path by the works of the flesh, and it took them out. And as the nation of Israel on the other side of the Red Sea in chapter 15, they declare, now coming to the other side, from death to life, declare who Yahweh is. As they would declare in Exodus 15, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious? And holiness, fearful and praise, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your mercy, you have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. By the innocent blood of the lamb, he purchased them and brought them in. He brought them from death to life. And on the other side of that victory, they say, there is no God beside you. The enemies are going to melt before you. And as now these spies who, who were young and hearing the song sing out, come into the land, they are told by a prostitute in the fortified city of Jericho, Yahweh has already come. And the people here are melted. Now therefore, she declares, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have. And deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives be for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let down by a rope. She let them down by a rope through the window from her house. Was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. And this is where, guys, that overlap of chapter one and chapter two are pretty interesting because who received the message to wait three days? Whose idea was it? It was Rahab's. Again, I want you to, the woman, the prostitute on the city of Jericho who has come to learn of Jericho is now saying, 
think you guys should wait three days, as if inspired by the Lord. Why do, was that interesting? Because in Joshua chapter one, we heard Joshua, after he's been communicating with God, say this. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself for within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So in Joshua chapter one, Joshua's hearing from God and what is the command he tells the people? Guys, get ready because God's telling me in three days we're gonna move. And at the same time, we have a harlot on the city wall who has come to know who God is and saying, you guys should hang out for, I don't know, about three days. Because I just want you to understand this is that who God is and who he's communicating to. That this land of the enemies, remember, who are they called to utterly destroy? It is those demonic giant bloodlines, but who is it that he is reaching out to is the woman on the wall. His love for her, his care for her, to send his message, to send those travelers in and out of her house to declare who she is so that she would know his name and what he is and who he is. To bring her to a place where she is hearing from God himself directly to influence how this nation will even enter into the land. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord on the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the door of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. We will be guiltless, and whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it, and sent them away. And they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. This scarlet thread, this red-soaked thread, to declare when judgment comes, there'll be a Passover. That when you have the scarlet thread above your window, when judgment comes by Yahweh, judgment will pass over, hearkening back to this nation's own Passover. And so once again, God declared that he is a God who has come to be the land slain for the world. That yes, he is sending them on a mission to destroy the spirit of rebellion and its offspring. And he does so in such a way to let the people of the land know that by the scarlet thread, judgment may pass over. That this prostitute would have to go to her parents. The God of Yahweh sent in spies. But if you come into my house, when they come to destroy, you'll be safe. Sounds absolutely absurd and ridiculous, but that she would go by faith and say in her heart crying out, now that I know the truth, I need to let my family know. And it may not make sense, but it's true. Again, it may seem highly implausible, but it is absolutely the truth of God's word and what he has declared it to be. And she goes out in that simple message that if you have the scarlet thread above you, judgment will pass over. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Again, as we, we find ourselves in this moment and we're Thinking of Joshua who sent out these two wandering 38 years ago as he saw the giants of the land. 
I know that God will go before and fight our battles for us. And then what is the report he hears from the land? God's already gone before. Getting to hear the faithfulness of, his wor- of God's word, to know that as he steps out in faith, he is doing so with a God who is faithful to his word, who has said to him over three times in the previous chapter, Joshua, I will not leave you or forsake you. Yes, there are battles ahead. Yes, there are giants in the way, but I'm with you. And you can walk in that confidence. As Joshua would declare in Numbers chapter 13, the land we pass throughout to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed them, and the Lord, Yahweh, is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah who saves, Jesus, who did what Joshua ultimately never could do by the cross, and that's bring full victory to his people. As we're told, in him you were also circumcised, and the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public public spectacle of them, triumphing them over the cross. Today, Yeshua, our Joshua, Jesus, offers to bring us into his promise by faith, to enter, conquer, and occupy his promised land, where again we can live a life to walk in his promises. And just as we, we end this morning, for anyone who's going through something difficult, a trial, uh, an obstacle, who, who, is, who is walking by faith and finding yourself it being completely ridiculous, Know that it is not pointless. Your pain is not pointless. Why? Because there is a woman on the wall who heard about how the nation of Israel was led into a trap and as the armies were bearing down him, he parted the way so that she could hear. Hear about the passage through the Red Sea. Hear about as they faced the giant Sihon and Og. And as this woman on the wall heard that story over and over, she came to know who Yahweh is, a woman who Jesus is going to be in the line of, that God sent this message into the land to save this woman who would eventually be part of bringing Jesus Christ himself into this land. Guys, your, your struggles are not pointless. That If you allow by faith God to walk with you through those, because he's promised he will never leave you or forsake you. He has promised you, I will use that to save the woman on the wall that you'll never meet. But as he did to that woman at the well in Samaria, he says, but I have a place to go. Let me use your life to touch that woman that you may never, ever know so that he can bring about this amazing call of redemption. Guys, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we thank you for who you are, who you declare us to be by your finished work of the cross. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here, God, that has not come to know you personally through faith, God, that they would know right now that they can place their faith in you as simple as just sitting in the chair they sit now. And in doing so, you declare to them the victory that you have bought, that you have redeemed them 
out of your love. And God, that you have called them into a life that they can enter in by faith, conquer by your word, and occupy by your love. So Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the God who saves. Would you use our life to touch those who so like ourselves desperately need to know you? In your son's name, amen. The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at SickosBeatSucks797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.